on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Is there a comedy with a funnier intro than Tropic Thunder? Is this more of a Ben Stiller movie or a Robert Downey Jr. movie? Is it possible for the blackface storyline to be more relevant in 2022? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio-Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me, the stars of The Fatties, we have <laughs> Zach and, and Lockie. Zach and Lockie from News to Reviews. How you doing, boys? It's going well. Bloody stoked to be here, and just like in The Fatties, we are both being played by Jack Black today. Yeah. God, I <laughs> was wish. like... I was like, which of the fake movies will I reference right off the top? <laughs> and uh, it was the fatties. It wasn't Scorcher or Satan's Alley. But um, we are talking about <laughs> Tropic Thunder. And man, I love the way that this movie starts without any studio logos. It just goes straight into the the, tra- the fake trailers for these fake oh, movies to set the scenes. Oh. It's so good. How amazing is that? It's what is it? Uh, it's like a trailer fake out to really <laughs> with your head right before. Sorry, actually, can I swear in this? <laughs> you can, but I just I just Oops. bleeped them all out, so you'll just all be right. bleeped. <laughs> so I'll just be bleeped most of the time. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, it's it's a real. Uh... God, I can't even think of another word other than that. Mind schmuzzle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you feel really gaslit straight off the bat because you know that what you're seeing is not reality, but something mm. something's not quite right. And you're <laughs> seeing a really strange depiction of all these really terrible movies that it sounds like are just around the corner. Yeah, oh, it does a great job to set the scene, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, we are, yeah, as I said, talking about Tropic Thunder. Thanks, both of you, for joining me. Uh, Zach, it's your return. We just recently did Meet the Parents, so we've got another dose of... Ben Stiller coming up, but Lockie, thank you for making your debut with us. Oh, you're most welcome. I'm really happy to be here. It's uh, always, always an amazing opportunity to not have to talk about games for once. (laughs) Now you got both of us here. You're getting the full news to reviews experience. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. So, uh, what are your memories of Tropic Thunder? Because for me, I just I do recall going to the theater and seeing it with my friends um, when I was at uni. It was two thousand and eight, towards the end of the year, and this was like kind of a it's almost like a dream team. Like often, you get a lot of these actors collaborating together. Like you know Ben Stiller, you're used to seeing him with Will Ferrell and Owen Wilson. But this was like, it felt like something a little bit different to that because they pulled in Jack Black, who is usually like the lead in his movies, and Rob Downey Jr., who, you know, I think he had been Iron Man already at this point. Um, very, I think it was, what year was that? 2007, Iron Man? I am yeah, Googling it right 2008. now. 2008. <laughs> so it was, the, it was the same year. So same year, yeah, he, there you go. Yeah, so he'd just been Iron Man. Um, just a few months earlier, so I don't know. It just it just felt a little bit different to, um, you know, seeing Vince Vaughn and all these the usual gang together, and we got s- such great like smaller roles from guys like Danny McBride and Bill Hader and Steve yeah. Coogan. So oh. there's just so much to like in this movie and so much to get excited about. I just oh, really absolutely it's just started. Yeah, 
Um, and you just don't see that, particularly in a comedy-focused film. Like, you might see that... When is another time where you have so many stars all together? The Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking Austin Powers 2. Remember right at the beginning where they had star oh, versions yeah. of all of the main characters? I think oh, that, that was, was three, yeah. three. That was Goldmember. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, it was two. I'm talking about the beginning with um, um, Danny DeVito. I'm mini-me, eat me. Yeah, I thought that was in Goldmember. Yeah, but that was really right. Goldmember. Yeah, because they had. Are you uh, serious? Oh, they wow. had Tom Cruise at playing uh, Austin Powers Austin in Powers. that as well too, which is yeah. funny oh, yeah. that you oh, mentioned. Oh my god, I thought that was <laughs> two. Wow. Uh, Tom Cruise might make an appearance in this one, possibly, maybe as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what are your memories and experiences with this one? Oh, for me, it is like so, so minimal. I remember when I saw it originally, I didn't really think that much of it. I didn't like it that much. I wasn't quite as into movies. I was, I was, a, a, you know, I was still in high school at that point. I think I'd, we just borrowed it uh, from Video Easy. God, back when Video Easy still existed. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, like I remember just thinking it was okay, but I, 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 like this is why I'm glad that people grow and change over time because I was such a fool back then because this movie <laughs> is absolutely hilarious. It was, oh, it was, I had such a great time watching it. Yeah. I wonder if it was like doing things that you didn't appreciate yet. Like it's very much a send yes. up of like Hollywood stars and the stereotypes mm. and the different types of actors that we see drawn to these kinds of um, Vietnam War films. So, like, yeah. a lot of the movies they're referencing, I have never even really seen, you know. that, that There's a lot, of, like, there's there's Platoon and Apocalypse mm. Now and Deer Hunter, Rambo, Full Metal Jacket. Like, there's, there's mm-hmm. scenes and, and uh, tropes that you recognize from these really big movies, but um, to pull it together in something that it's not a spoof and it's not, like, a, a full-on parody, but it's certainly poking fun at, at some of those war movies isn't it absolutely i I think now i can just appreciate it more but like i i still haven't seen i think i saw platoon ages ago but i've never seen any of the rambo movies or anything but they've just permeated pop culture so much we've seen so Mm -hmm. many references to them like through it like just just to show like the simpsons was like a doorway to all these (laughs) different things that i never would have checked out before so yeah i I can definitely swear i can appreciate it more now a hundred percent Lockie, did you watch this when you were younger yeah, yeah. I, I think I saw this in my haze years. As you, as you could probably tell with my really poor memory of the Austin Powers movies where it's all sort of <laughs> melted into one giant movie from my memory. Um, this was in my teen haze years. I think it was around HSC times. So I don't remember much of that time at all. I was not a great student at that point, which is really which is interesting because I am the biggest nerd and I, I, I did like studying and I did like doing that stuff. Um, but it just wasn't a really great time for me because couple that with the pressures of HSC, um, uh, I had a whole mad ton of stress going on. And so it was one of those things where it was just, um, the perfect storm got there in the end. But, um, <laughs> I think it was during that time, it's movies like these that were like little, little glimpses of light at the end of the tunnel that gave you a distraction from the, the yeah. horrors of youth. Um, so yeah, I, I gotta say, I, I had fond memories of this movie. It was like a diamond in the rough at the time. Oh, you know what? That's not too fair. To be honest, there were a couple of really great movies around that period. I think, um, Dodgeball sh- came shortly before that. And, oh God, that was a amazing. Few years. So I think that was, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's 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 interesting. I think in my memory, I actually look at Tropic Thunder as one of the last big great comedy movies. I can't. If you asked me of mm. of any really great comedy movie over even the last decade, um, really really challenging to think of it. Um, you know, I think it's from pretty much 2015 onwards. It's sort of, you know, there are the occasional good movie, but yeah, really hard to yeah. remember. Just on your point back earlier, I think what's really amazing about this film is it's it is it's commercially appealing. So as someone that just loves to watch movies, I love it. I think it's a really enjoyable movie. It's really funny, but I think it's insanely clever, and it comes across as a movie that was written for the writers and the actors of film because they are constantly they're constantly critiquing film, satirizing, as you say before, they had thousand one different parodies that they just rattle off. Like they, you know, you think you're, you're looking at something from an apocalypse now and they just move on to another movie in reference. And then they make a joke <laughs> about the filmmaking process behind that. And then they, they talk about, they go, I'm sure we'll go into it later as well, but <laughs> they really dig into what is okay and what isn't okay. So they even dissect their own comedy and humor as the movie progresses, which is just, it's like watching an episode of Community, but actually made into yes. a movie. Which, <laughs> yeah. to that point, Yvette Nicole Brown makes an appearance, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my yes! god!" Oh, yes, she gets she right. has nothing to do, unfortunately, but she she's in there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> same as the no, recent Marvel. That's a good film she was in. Yeah, um, it's a good reference though. Um, that uh, the the Community one, because yeah, it, it's very meta. It's very poking fun at the beast of Hollywood and the types of people that work behind the scenes, whether it's the agent or the studio executive or the actor that's angling for an award or, or whatever it might be. Hmm. Um, also, really, uh, a lot of action in this movie, like a lot of big explosions mm. and machine guns. And it was an expensive movie to make. It cost $92 million, which, you know, with the heavy hitters they've got, it's not crazy, but I guess mm. it's probably a lot more than they'd spend doing something like, you know, meet the parents or something where it's mm. based around suburbia. They don't have to go on location. They don't have to blow anything up or mm. teach people how to use assault rifles and that kind of thing. Um, it did make $195 million, which is good. It's not like top tier amazing. But mm. I think, you know, like, like you were saying, Lockie, it does have that, that feel of one of the last kind of big ensemble kinds of balls out laugh riot movies um mm. it's hard to think like it definitely slowed down a lot and became more about ensembles and stuff like the hangover and stuff like um bridesmaids and and uh i, I guess like seth rogan still making movies um these days so you know the the actor led or the star led comedy isn't completely gone but it's definitely changed since i guess the 2000s and definitely since the mm. 90s which is the whole point of this podcast really yeah i feel like action comedies these days are pretty much just marvel movies that's that's what you're getting in yeah. as far as action comedies are concerned um yeah, yeah it tends to be definitely. more like you know like meet the parents was where it's you know oh you, you got the wacky neighbor or the, <laughs> the the terrible boss or something like that the small scale you can do a tinier budget mm. as well too Lots of improv, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we'll get into the Rotten Tomatoes guessing game. Do you guys have some ideas where this one might be sitting? I didn't look it up this time. I didn't, didn't cheat this time. <laughs> so I actually have no idea. I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna be safe and say like, 
Yeah, like 75%. I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> Does Rotten... Oh, I only I only use Metacritic. Does Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> use critic, critic scores or user scores? scores? And is it, based, it critic um, scores? It, no, so Rotten Tomatoes is, is the percentage of critics that liked it. So gave it a positive review. Oh, okay. So it's like a thumbs up or thumbs down, 50-50. Essentially, yeah. Sort yeah. of dealio. Um, yeah. All right. I reckon, oh, I'd have to say this would be very popular amongst the critics and maybe slightly less popular amongst the, the consumers. So I reckon this has to be at least 80%, 85. 82. Very close. Very close. <laughs> you gave yourself. Oh, yes. You, you gave yourself five percent of wiggle room. Yeah, there, but I'll, I'll still that give range. it to you. <laughs> That's a win. I got a couple comments here that I thought, um, you know, I like to give the the pros and the cons. So, mm. the St. Louis Post Dispatch wrote that it tiptoes to the fine line between irony and insight, and blows it to smithereens. I like that because that. Kind of sums up what we were saying before. Um, the World Socialist website wrote that uh, because of the lack of a strong theme or point of view, unwittingly perhaps the film becomes a version of the phenomenon it's set out to parody. An action theme, uh, sorry, an action film, even a semi-patriotic action film. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can see where they're coming from. I guess that person didn't quite hit in the way that... Um, it hit for, for us, I think. Mm. All right. The number one song when this movie released. I don't think that you'll guess this, but you may have very strong memories of, of August 2008. Um, any any thoughts? <laughs> what was happening around there? Was it like year times three? Wasn't that Usher or something? Is that, is that was what was happening around that time or am I too uh, early? <laughs> uh, my mind is going to WAP, but it can't be WAP. No, WAP's way later. That was like not that long ago, right? It's it was like, like last year. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with. All I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. That had to be around somewhere around then. In in August. Come on. <laughs> hey, she. Hey, she could have gotten a head start on her Christmas single. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Zach, any any guesses? Uh, honestly, that was my best guess. Yeah, times three. Usher. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a clue. It was oh, a, Black Eyed Peas. That's closer. It's I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. Oh, yeah, it makes oh, a lot of sense. All right, very, yeah. All right. Yeah. I was in yeah, che- grade 11. Checks out. It makes sense, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. What have you done for me lately? We have a lot of people here, so I probably won't even get to all of them, but I'll just rush through some. So Ben Stiller, as we mentioned a few weeks back, is the executive producer on Severance, which has hit Apple streaming now. And have you? Has anyone checked it out? I love Severance. Severance okay. is absolutely amazing. I am obsessed with Severance. I am so addicted to it, and I don't want to say, I don't want to mention anything about what it's about. And I'd recommend anyone who's going into it thinking that they want to watch it, don't look up mm-hmm. anything, don't watch any trailers, don't don't Google anything. Just watch the first episode, and I almost guarantee you'll be hooked. I am obsessed wow. right now. So I watched the first two episodes with Brendan White when I was staying with him a couple of weeks ago and we we liked it but it was very dense and slow and Okay. Um it's almost like watching a, a movie 
in the sense that it takes its time with the pacing, we thought, mm. and it, it does go into some interesting places. But would you say that it gets better as it goes on? Oh, absolutely. But I, I loved it okay. from the start. So I don't know. There was something about the, the tone of it and the and the characters that just really, really spoke mm. to me. I really, I, 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 I've yeah, been loving it so far. So That's good. I might yeah. get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's what Ben Stiller has been doing. He's very involved in that show, even though he's not in it, as far as I know. But that tends to be more what he's doing these days. Didn't he d- um, direct t- a couple of episodes? He, he also directed um, Escape Escape at Denimora. Yes. Which yes, he did. He's also, very much we- in the. He's very much moved off screen mostly these days but yeah yeah and he, and he well he directed uh uh obviously uh, Tro- tropic thunder as well, well too and i don't know i've, I've for me I, i'm starting to feel that i actually kind of like him behind the camera <laughs> a bit more than what i do oh, uh, when he's actually he's, he's a good actor he's great but i you know I, I i just think he's fantastic as a director and he is a and, great director and doing behind yeah. the scenes stuff he's he's just killing it at the moment i want to see him do some feature length uh film for sure i mean he's all over tropic thunder like in the mm. opening credits in the closing credits he's like he wrote the screenplay directed it it's his production company um red hour that's um made it happen with dreamworks so yeah he's as as much of that uh, 195 million dollar box office i think a lot of it would have gone into his pocket so good for him <laughs> um and also very topical to in today's news he's at the u.s open getting um name checked by uh our, our boy nick who's um did you see that on twitter no nick what's, Curios. what's this about so someone is that how you say it? Nick Curios? Oh, <laughs> you're asking the wrong person. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I know, I know of it through osmosis because his name is always popping up on the news. But yeah, yeah, I'm not a tennis fan, so I apologize if I'm, I'm mispronouncing it. But um, he was angry at some hecklers in the crowd, and he was like, "Do you know, are you good at tennis?" And they're like, "No." And it's like, "Well, why are you talking to me?" And then he points at. <laughs> He points at Ben Stiller, who's in like the front row, just like a few seats up from this guy, and he says, "I don't tell him how to act in movies." <laughs> <laughs> and you can hear it clear as day because everyone else in the stadium's completely quiet, so it's pretty funny. It's fantastic. Anyway, that's what Ben Stiller has without, been up to. Without knowing the context and potentially burying myself, that kind of sounds like a really amazing point that he's made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you type Ben Stiller into Twitter, I'm sure it will will come up. He's he's looking very old these days. He's got like the completely white head of hair, silver uh, or, or almost grey. Uh, yeah, yeah it, he still looks he looks good. Um, considering yeah, he's in his good age, shape. but yeah, yeah, I, I would say um, this is sad to say, but I saw a picture of Robert Downey Jr. pop up on Google as I was doing a bit of research for this one, and yeah, really sad to see. How he's thinking these days. I'm sorry to say. Sorry, Robert Downey Jr. I love you. I think you're great, but it's been a long time. It's not the most uh, flattering picture online. That's yeah. (laughs) It's been a long time since Tony Stark already has it. (laughs) Speaking of RDJ, so Doolittle was the last movie he made, which was a bit of a disaster, I think. Mm. And it's the only thing he's done since Endgame that's come out. He's working on. Sherlock Holmes 3, that's like probably in the can and coming out this year, I think. 
Jack Black has completely moved into the video game sphere when he's not doing his Twitch videos. Uh, he did a voice in Psychonauts 2. He's playing Claptrap in the Borderlands movie. He's playing a character in Super Mario Brothers the movie. And there's a Kung Fu Panda animated series that's coming out this year as well. So almost completely voice work for him. Bloody oath. Jack Black getting paid. I'm all for it. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't know if Super Mario Brothers is going to be voice work or live action or anything really, but I'm sure it'll be maybe a mix of both. Who knows if they go the Jumanji route. <laughs> uh, Jay Baruchel, who um, is kind of the... He's a bit of an unsung hero in this film. I really like his role. He's like a kind of the fourth or fifth lead, like I guess, because he's on screen as much as almost anyone else, um, but he wasn't the big name at the time. So he's he's done just a, a bit of a run of a couple seasons for a show called The Moody's, and he's still getting the checks for How to Train a Dragon because they keep doing like animated series or video games or whatever it is. So he's he's got it made with that. I like his character a lot in this film because one of the... Um, he, he doesn't... He doesn't come. A, he doesn't get a lot of lines, but he's he kind of comes off as a straight guy. He's he's yeah. the ideal actor. He actually is there to act and do his job and get along with everyone and check in, check out. And he he's the most sensible across all of them throughout mm. the entire film. Um, but yeah, it it seems like he's sort of he's sort of that. Um, he's a straight man. He's there yeah. sounding board for pretty much Robert Downey Jr.'s insanity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Ben Stiller. Uh, yeah, can I get into that or pose that question to you guys? What do you? I know that Ben Stiller is the main character of this film from, I guess, a technical standpoint. But I feel like this was more a vehicle for Robert Downey Jr. I feel like all almost all the scenes and jokes were really designed mm. and built around him and even the um character um the character what's his name it was al pacino which is the funniest <laughs> rap name ever yeah. um al pacino's yeah. character al pacino's <laughs> character is almost solely there to just get the <laughs> with robert downey jr <laughs> you're not wrong like i think it's probably it's probably 50 50 between the two of of you know ben stiller and and um Robert Downey Jr. as far as like who's the lead because Ben Stiller, his character leaves the rest of the group which takes mm. him into like, he's got the, the complete spotlight for those scenes. But um, mm. yeah, we'll we'll def- definitely dig into more about that character a bit later. Um, <laughs> you ma- you yeah. just mentioned uh, Al, Pac- Al Pacino or however you, whatever his name is in this film. Brandon yeah, yeah, T. It's Jackson. Chino, it's great. Yeah, Alba Chino. <laughs> um, he, he was a voice on Bojack Horseman, apparently. Um, oh. Tom Cruise with what was meant to be like a unpromoted surprise role in this film. Um, he is in Top Gun Maverick, which comes out this year. The, the long-awaited sequel to Top Gun. Wow. When would you have guessed his previous movie was to Top Gun? His last movie. Was it Mission Impossible 3? And that was... It was oh, Mission was that Impossible like tw- Fallout. Oh, Fallout, 20, that's right. In and that 2018. Was like, I was about to say 2018, yeah, Henry Cavill. <laughs> yeah, oh. so four years ago. Um, that's a long time in between for a guy like him. But he does have like 
two Mission Impossible movies coming out, I think, next year and the year after. So they must have been like filming them through COVID and everything mm. to just release back to back. Danny McBride, he's got Righteous Gemstones on HBO, which a lot of people find very fun. And Bill Hader is the last guy I'll mention. The, the new season of Barry is coming out soon, and I'm really keen mm. for that. Yes! Me too. I love that show so much. That oh. that show, I didn't really know Bill Hader until I saw that show, and I was like, yes. who is this guy that's oh. sort of been in the background of everything as a supporting character? And then mm. as soon as he gets the spotlight, yeah. It, yeah, the yeah. stage was for him all along. Yeah, I think like, um, like Hot Rod came out the year before this, where he was like the maybe the third or fourth lead again with Danny McBride and then this movie. So I feel like he was still on SNL at the time and this was probably mm. one of his, this would have been like his biggest movie that he'd been in up to that point for sure. And you can kind of tell because he's un- definitely underutilized. Like he's as oh, funny yeah. as, as anyone else in the movie. Um, yeah. He, he would have been, Barry, he anyone been out there who hasn't seen Barry. It is, it is just amazing. Sorry. I just, <laughs> I just had to say that. <laughs> no, it's fair. I was going to say he would have been really good in that role um, that Jay mm. Barickle had as the, as the kind of the, the straight man, um, mm. Kevin. I think that that, that that would have been a good one for him, but um, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure he that's, would have killed it. And that's the thing is that I think there's a lot of actors that, that made even small appearance, uh, appearances such as Yvette Nicole Brown back in there is if they got their own lines and, you know, uh, a media part, they're, they're all top top build talent mm-hmm. in their own right. Oh, so, Matt, yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Just, a, <laughs> Matthew yeah. McConaughey yeah, just having like that little side bit role. Like this was back when he was like exactly. still a bit of a joke, right? Like it was before he saw that he had his, his uh, renaissance or, or is it? Am yeah. I doing that wrong? No, that's true. Yeah. No, he was yeah. definitely the chick flick guy. He was yeah. um What's failure you know, to launch or whatever it was called? Oof. Yeah. And he, he had <laughs> oh. you know he burst I've I've read his biography recently, it's really interesting. But he started his career with these really dramatic roles and then became like the chick flick guy. And then mm-hmm. as you say, yeah, it was like I think like Lincoln Lawyer or one of those kinds of, of movies. Um what's the one where he's got HIV? the Dallas Buyers uh, Club yeah Yeah, like I think he started to yeah it was definitely you know True Detective like he just went on that huge run of um, amazing performances and came back so it it is good to see him in this with with like playing alongside guys like Tom Cruise and and people in this movie because he's he's so good and he can do anything like he can do comedy can do drama can just stand there and look good (laughs) All right, so that's enough of, I guess, the memory lane with what have you done for me lately. What is the most 2000s moment of Topic Thunder? I guess I'll get it kicked off. I, I, I will have to say the, the trailers at the, <clears throat> at the very beginning felt incredibly 2000s to me. It was like there were was, there was spoofs of movies that just don't get made these days. Like <laughs> You don't get movies like The Clumps and... I don't know, whatever it was that Robert mm. Downey... Actually, what, what Robert Downey Jr. did, you still get those Oscar bait films for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, oh, that, that, that was, was so great. funny. <laughs> oh, so that good. was so funny. What was it? Devil's Alley or something? S- Satan's Alley, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Satan's Alley. Oh my God, that that had me on the floor. The others were, with, were with good, Toby but Maguire. that one... <laughs> yeah, oh my... That was just so funny. 
I can't remember. I'm still uh, really from that. Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire whispers something at the very end there too. I can't remember what it was, but it just it had me in hysterics. I uh, um, and just essentially, just essentially rubbing the rosary beads. Yeah, when he grabs the rosary beads. I'm like, how did they film that without laughing? Yeah, that was so, so good. That was a very last minute um, addition to actually have Toby there because he was around or he owed them a, he owed like Ben Stiller a favor or he he was in Wonder Boys I think with Robert Downey Jr in like mm. the year 2000 so they had like some kind of connection and oh. his agents like you've got him for 3 hours and then he has to fly out of town so they just made that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which which kind of leads into the other like Incredible. most 2000s thing for me which is the cast it's just one of the most 2000s casts all the bit roles and mm. all that and a lot of them are still mm-hmm. famous and working today as we discussed earlier but they were definitely... This was the heyday, I think, for the most of them, except uh, maybe Robert Downey Jr. I think he still was yet to reach his f- maximum level. Mm, yeah, yeah, he didn't he, he didn't get into the Marvel stuff until, like, just after, didn't he? Was oh, we were year. just saying before that it was the it was same... Yeah, it was this year, but I guess it wasn't like, you know... Even though Iron Man was big, no one could have predicted that he would become, I guess the face of the MCU for the next 10, literally 10 years up until Endgame. So, yeah, he definitely probably peaked towards the tail end of, of, of that run. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that, definitely. Uh, especially with the trailers, that's a really good point. The, the the way that the trailers had like the voiceover, that probably isn't a 2000s thing. That's more of like a probably 90s thing, like... In a world like that whole kind of trope <laughs> yeah. of um yeah you know scorcher scorcher two and then he did it again five more times and now he's back like that's more that's definitely more of like a nineties thing but yeah um, that's true they don't really have know. the narrators anymore it's all the music is exactly the same where it's got that that lead up build up epic 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 and then it has this beat drop vroom, and then yeah. the, the trailer ends. That's more. That's I think that's been more of a everything. thing. I, I don't know who started it, whether it was like Inception or a movie around that time. So that like yeah. big, that big bass, boom, yeah. that, that, yeah. that started in the probably the 2010s, 2012, around that time. So it wasn't quite there, but I don't think it was. I think we were out of the, um, the voiceover era already. But, um, you know, for, for parrot, like for satirizing those types of movies that worked really well because because those movies that they were doing felt like 90 like the clumps and stuff that was 90s um mm. and and uh <laughs> simple jack even which <laughs> uh, yeah oh, yeah we'll, we'll get to that yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah I'm looking forward to that conversation but just before we get there I think um during that time um all the all the all sort of the lower budget spoof movies that were really popular like scary movie and mm-hmm. there was a whole litany of movies that that came just off the back of that um like you had what was it like superhero movie and Not i think they were all wayne's brothers yeah yeah i think they were almost all almost all of them were wayne's uh, brothers production movies so this was kind of this was kind of like a high end high budget version of that yeah there was a quote from Ben Stiller about reacting to this movie being called a spoof where he's he's basically said there are elements of parody but it's 
it's more than that. It's like it's 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 its own thing because there's mm. a lot of familiar yeah, stuff that they're playing off rather than just oh, making it's fun way of smarter everything. Than that. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah. Um, so for me, when I think of 2000s, there was like just a few things that happened in here that I was like, yeah, that that certainly dates it to that point. The first one was. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's character playing like Wii Sports in his in his <laughs> office. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> like yeah, like the Wii yep. tennis. That's very much you know 2007, 2008 when everyone had the yep. Wii. Um, and then he, it must be. his obsession with the TiVo. That's also a very 2000s thing because yes. it was that sweet spot. Like I, I never had like a a TiVo or anything that could record. TV, except for the PlayStation TV that I hooked up to my PS3, and uh, the the hard drive wasn't big enough to really capture much on it at all. But um, yeah, it was that time in between, uh, I guess, basic cable or, or pay TV and streaming coming in and being like a thing mm. that makes it obsolete to be able to just watch stuff on demand. So TiVo, uh, we saw the mobile phones that they were playing with at the start of the movie before they had to hand them in and um i, I guess it was like the blackberry that the, that the agent had when he was talking to um the the terrorists the vietnamese gang or whatever it is so yeah there's a few bits of technology in there that, that made it feel very 2000s but did you have anything extra to add in Lockie? No, I think he covered it. I can't think of anything else. And one of the things that works well with this movie is because it's shot mostly in the jungle, which um, actually, interestingly enough on that, uh, I was I was in the jungle scenes. I was thinking, you know, this looks an awful lot like Hawaii. I wonder where this was shot. <laughs> and lo and behold, it was Hawaii. It did not look... I don't know. I don't really know where they were going for, but it looked to me like Hawaii. I think they were going for Vietnam because they said at a certain point that they'd mm. crossed over into um, Myanmar or, or Laos, yeah, yeah, yeah. which, um, or, or Burma or whatever. It's, it seemed like they left yeah, that intentionally just... ambiguous so no one would sort of get offended that their country apparently has people, you know, growing heroin and processing heroin yeah. around the place. I don't know. It felt, felt like that to me. I'm not sure. Mm. So, yeah, it's definitely in that Southeast Asia kind of region. Um, but yeah, Hawaii, it's always Hawaii. Jurassic Park, Lost, you know. Really? Always... Jurassic Park? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah, yeah. different islands wow. of well, Hawaii. That's Where'd you think it was? I'm, I'm learning. Where'd you think it was? I, I, I never thought. I never thought. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. I loved it as a kid, but I, as a kid, I watched things without thinking. I watched Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! like there was no tomorrow. So there you go. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> I've just come out of this podcast having learnt about... The productions of Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I went to Hawaii a couple of years ago and everywhere I went, I was like, you know, just humming the Jurassic Park music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be uncanny. Oh, I've got to go there cool. sometime now. <laughs> what, did, what do you guys think the most iconic scene of this movie is? Because I, I found it hard to pick one because a lot of great mm. scenes. Mm. Um, the, the ones that I, I did think of aside from the opening credits that just you know get you going from the very beginning mm. the very next scene which is the actual action movie that they're shooting and the way mm. that it just kind of gets more and more ridiculous and until they kind of yell cut 
mm. and then you, you get to really get the, a sense of what kind of movie this is going to be. I thought yeah. that was done really well and it's obviously like mirrored in the last scene of the movie, like the climax of the movie where they're trying to get to the chopper and everything and it's really well done there with the bookends. Um, but aside from that and Tom Cruise dancing ridiculously i feel like they're the images that that i tend to 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 think of yeah it's a good it was a good bookend just on that tom cruise thing i at in the very moment i was thinking this is i hope it doesn't end on this but then the longer it kept going the more i smiled and chuckled about it and (laughs) no this was right they made the right choice here um but yeah i it's i agree with you it's really hard because there's a lot of really iconic moments i had to stick it in my phone and jot down the notes because i've sort of broken it up into into sections of the movie but one of the best visual gags for me was early on in the first vietnam-esque war recreation scene was the flower hand stumps <laughs> yeah that, it, it that, reminds that me that of like was, a, it, a turkey it like was, a roast turkey <laughs> with the <laughs> I, I it it's even even now having have it's been over a decade since i've last watched this film so i'd forgotten all of that so yeah. watching it again i was so shocked by that image but it was just so ridiculous now in how gory and excessive it was. I just cracked up. It's just like I, you would never see something so gorily ridiculous. Oh, yeah. oh, it was insane. It's funny. We've all mentioned stuff about the beginning. And, and like oh, that, that's what I jotted down to was just the whole beginning, the whole setup sequence. Because like having the combination of the trailers, just as you were saying, and then the, the actual movie scene as well too at the very beginning. It was just perfect and it set up jokes that carry on throughout the rest mm. of the film as well too. Sets up all the characters perfectly. Yeah, it, it was just amazing. And even like before they get to the hand stumps, the amount of times that Ben Stiller was getting shot, I was already in tears <laughs> laughing. And then yeah. Robert Downey Jr.'s character still goes to try and save him after all of that. After he gets shot like 40 times. It was just yeah. great. It, I, I'd have to imagine. Apparently, it was a bit of a nightmare to, to do the filming for this, but it, it it just looks like it would have been so much fun just seeing him like play off the bullets hitting him. It was yeah. oh, I was dying. So uh, good. I don't know what it, what I was reading, but I very very recently read something about how it must have been some kind of MythBusters thing about how getting shot with a machine gun, your body wouldn't actually like <laughs> dance back and forth with each bullet. <laughs> <laughs> like he's basically yeah he's basically doing a rain dance as as each oh, bullet oh. tears through his 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 chest but um you're totally right it sets everything up it sets up the kind of tension between um i'll get the characters names here uh, tug and kirk lazarus as you know their competition about like um you know he's crying and he's he's trying to cry on on screen and like that whole kind of um i i guess thing of, of where like lazarus is this respected actor and tug is trying to get some recognition as the the action star who has um gone past his prime very much like it's interesting to look at who they were channeling with each of these characters so ben stiller mm-hmm. his character he was thinking of like a sliced alone mm-hmm. which i can definitely see as you know like all the Rocky movies, all the Rambo movies, and then mm. since then we've had all the Expendables movies. Mm. Uh, and yeah. then Jack Black was going for 
you know, a Chris Farley type. But then the movies that he was starring in were more like, yeah, Eddie Murphy thing where he plays every single character. Yeah. And then Robert Downey Jr. based his character on uh, Russell Crowe and people like that who just completely go method. And that, that's where like the Australian accent comes from and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I, I saw it was so, Russell, yeah. Russell Crowe, Daniel Day-Lewis and a touch of Colin Farrell. And I think yes. he... Nailed that. It was oh, absolutely Robert down. Downey Jr.'s performance in this, as controversial yeah. as it may be, he fucking nailed it and absolutely killed it. Even he's crying at the start. That that first crying scene where he's just spe- oh sorry, I've just been swearing so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's, he's he's spitting like like crazy. I, I was already yeah. in tears. It, it absolutely amazing. <laughs> It's very Ooh, self. Yeah. It's very self-aware of an actor to actually be giving a good performance, but then making fun of other actors at the same time. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. It's it's just. Yeah. Oh, the, it's insane. Robert Downey Jr. I think we're going to be talking about him a lot because there's a lot <laughs> to analyze there with each. You can go from scene, literally scene to scene, with the things that he's saying and the irony of him saying it, <laughs> mocking another character. For example, he's mocking Ben Stiller for being. Um, he's being very inauthentic in his acting when he portrayed Simple Jack while he's doing that in blackface. Well, yes. and, and, it, and, it's, and it just happens in cycles and it's just incredible. Um, but one thing I just need to say, I got... He kind of came... I got a little bit of Chris Hemsworth in there. So I feel like Chris Hemsworth has taken inspiration from Robert Downey Jr.'s Australian portrayal. Yeah, um... Interesting. So I don't think any of us knew who Chris Hemsworth was at this point. But, no, I think Chris Hemsworth, uh, you know, kind of he, he was kind of riding on Robert Downey Jr.'s coattails there a little bit. The, the I have to say the accent wasn't flawless. Like it's a it's a decent Australian. As far as Australian accents go, it's a hard one to do. He did one in Natural Born Killers, and that was the reason that they switched the character from like an Irish one to an Australian one. It, it was a little bit much sometimes like it, it didn't quite you know we all know what we're meant to sound like and he didn't he didn't quite get there but it was close enough it's a it's a tough thing to pull off it's 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 weird because no matter what whenever i hear an australian accent in media i always feel like it sounds like they're putting it on but <laughs> so it's hard to yeah. know particularly when it's compared to a whole bunch of accents but yeah it's definitely not quite quite there but yeah, you're right it's 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 hard to nail uh, oh, but- I'll never, I'd never be able to tell because when, when I, um, whenever I hear American accents and Australian accents, I, I don't think, I don't think Australians collectively know how they really sound <laughs> until it's played next to an American accent. Because I think in our minds, because we listen, we absorb a lot of American media. We love American films and TV shows and what have you. I don't think we realize how differently we actually sound to Americans. Yeah, definitely. We're um, we're pretty special, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're a special snowflake. That's, that's a weird you know, word. we cop it later in the film as well. It doesn't feel <laughs> unknown though, because ev- literally everyone cots it in this film. Yeah, and sorry, just really briefly before we move on, um, if I have to think of iconic, I, the the scene that sticks in my memory from when I saw it when I was younger was when the director gets blown up by the mine <laughs> and Ben Stiller picking up the head and tasting it and <laughs> all of that. That, that <laughs> is forever embedded in my memory. 
yeah, when he's licking the the blood and <laughs> oh my it's god, pretty, it's yes. pretty gross. <laughs> he so plays nothing it but corn syrup. <laughs> this might be a random one, um, but the, in in the middle of the simple jack, I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do the offensive one. I'm gonna stay away from there. But in the middle, um, the female actress in the simple jack scene. Um, says simple Jack. I think you have a fine brain. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> it was just mwah. yeah. Oh, it's, fantastic that, writing. It's hard not. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, what holds up the best? What holds up the best? I'm actually gonna perhaps controversially say I think that the blackface portrayal holds up the best even though it's become completely not become it's always for, for a long time been completely taboo and offensive to to do blackface i think that the way that they actually handled it is saves it completely the same way it saved it in 2008 i, I feel like it it still holds up today it they they get away with it it do, doesn't i never felt un truly uncomfortable with what he was doing even though perhaps i should have um and you know of course i say this as a white guy but if at the same time if if i just watched a movie and there was blackface in it it would it would feel completely wrong but i think that the way that it's done the way that they speak to it and the way that that the the, um the alf alp alpa chino character (laughs) questions it and and breaks it down i think that that was handled so well that um, they just completely got away with it. And you would never think that it's possible to get away with it. Um, I know people have done it since then. Chris Lilly, John Safran. It's a bit different in Australia, I think. We don't have the history uh, with blackface that uh, mm. American America does culturally. Um, but he got nominated for an Oscar for this movie. I did not know that. He was Best Supporting Actor nomination. Uh, I think that's pretty rare for a comedy. It's almost never happens. I can't think off the top of my head of another time that an actor has been nominated for for a comedy. Maybe uh, it's it's like there's a few of those borderline ones where like Jim Carrey or Robin Williams might have, have, have earned a nomination. But... Yeah, just his performance in this is so good. Uh, it, it walks that line. It has a commentary about actors who will do anything to uh, win praise or to to show how transformative they are. You know, he doesn't break character till he's done the DVD commentary. It's a great line, and um, the way that he, as a character, <laughs> kind of breaks down towards the end of the film and and shakes off his pretense and his. Um, you know all, all the the self grand grandizing um, kind of pretension is just a, a really I think it's just handled really well. That that's my take. What did you guys? I guess we should just talk about the blackface for start. With <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah. It, it certainly is the elephant in the room. Zach, do you want to kick off? Uh, do you need some time to collect your thoughts on this look, one? Uh, look, I think at the end of the day, uh, look, I don't think it's up to me whether or not it's okay for it to be in the film. Uh, and uh, and through watching it, I wasn't offended, but I don't think I would be the audience that would be particularly offended. 
um, if if the offence is caused just purely on by it just being there in the movie no, with no basis on the context at all. But when the context is taken into account, like what they've done in 30 Rock, like what they've done in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they mm. they poke fun of it and show the absurdity of it and they make the, the clear point that, yes, this is wrong, and that's why this character's being treated this way. And it's just funny that this 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 narcissistic actor who's just incredibly insecure will go to these offensive lengths in order to uh, just do the best he can for a role. And the fact that an actor would even take a role like that as well, too, is just is just absolutely insane. But um, I, I know these days, like I know episodes of Thirty Rock have now been pulled from a lot of streaming services. And I think mm-hmm. same with It's Always Sunny as well too, to the point Scrubs where even, well. yeah, in community as well, there's a, there's an episode where, where uh, mm. uh, Ken Jong, uh, Ken, Ken Jong, oh, I'm yeah. pronouncing that weird. Yeah, Ken Jong. No, no, uh, you're, no, you're nailing it. <laughs> I got Keep it, going. sweet. He, he, he plays a dark elf in a D&D episode, which, you know, it's not a real thing. But he's still, I guess, technically in in blackface. So I, I know some services has, have even pulled that. So people are just generally a lot more sensitive to it these days. And I think, look, at, at the end of the day, it's 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 not up to me. It's really up to the the black community. I know at the time, mm-hmm. at the NAACP, apparently Ben Stiller showed the film to them, and they said that they were happy with the with with how it came across. Um, but I, I don't know if that would be the same now, uh, if, it, if it would be the same situation now. I definitely don't think you would get away with making this film today, that's for sure. Anyway, they were getting ahead of myself there. <laughs> Sorry, Lockie. Oh, no. No, no, not at all. And and I resonate with a lot of what you're saying, and I agree. Community's a really good example of this where, um, yes, the blackface, it, it was blackface, and part of the joke was that it was offensive, because they knew it was going to be offensive and they they drew attention they called attention to it and um told the person off for having done it in mm. the scene so they it's one of those interesting things and it kind of capitulates the whole the whole message of this movie is when is it okay to be offensive and to um potentially you know include stereotypical material offensive material minstrelsy all that jazz and at that point in time i think the general uh, the general line, it was o- it was okay within the boundaries of what could be presentable as long as you called attention to it that it was wrong, and that it and that you were making fun of the person doing the offensive thing rather than you're laughing purely at at the offensive thing for happening yeah. and and the butt of the joke being the minority in the case. So, mm. I think there was a shift a couple of years <clears throat> back, or you know, in the tr- in the streaming sort of era where more people when they caught wind of something and they knew that that offensive thing was within some sort of content, um, potentially people watched through it and they understood the message of it. And they still said, you know what, on the scale of balance, this is still pretty hurtful and harmful to my community. I still feel uncomfortable about this. What have you, that's completely fine. And I respect that. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm just a white Aussie guy. I really can't relate to the minority uh, experience there. So if, if someone from that group is saying that, yeah, it's harmful, then, what what can you do? You have to say, well, mm. all right, fair enough. Um, sounds like yeah. you know they they know what they're talking about. But if it's in the other group where it's just they're reacting to the fact that they know that it's in there, but they don't really, you know, delve into the context around whether or not what the message is behind it, what they're exploring with it. Um, it sometimes it's a shame because um, 
community was pretty good was pretty good with that and i think this movie is relatively good with that um to your point before Jono al pacino was meant to be the the straight guy to point out how horrible and offensive that is but um you know from my perspective robert downey jr does a great job in the portrayal it doesn't come across as particularly mocking of the race um i but you know if someone has a different take and experience on it i'd be curious to hear about that i would also be curious to get your guys's feelings of who was he going for with his character like who was his Mm. inspiration yeah i don't know actually i I, like a danny glover maybe like a yeah samuel jackson kind of thing maybe oh my god i i you hit the nail on the head when i was hearing it i was hearing murtoff from lethal weapon so that's i i reckon yeah he was going for the danny glover as well yeah there was the moment where alf uh i keep stuffing it up al pacino kind of says you think we all talk like that like the big like the boom bombastic kind of like barking orders kind of Mm. thing um, yeah. but yeah to, to go back to what you were saying before I think that the tipping point with the moment all that stuff was pulled was um, I'm having a mind Blake uh, George Floyd F- Floyd I was, I was thinking what's something Floyd yeah George Floyd Black yeah. Lives Matter all that stuff oh, well. and, and yeah. it, 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 like it's it's a separate like police brutality and violence I, I guess it's yeah. a, a very separate issue to um, the way that people are portrayed in media, but I think it was a sensitivity of studios and that kind of thing where they wanted to avoid controversy. So mm. I, I don't like, I could be completely wrong, but I don't necessarily remember um, black groups uh, bringing it up as like, a, oh, and by the way, you know, we're marching out here f- to be treated like, like humans and that our lives matter. And can you pull the blackface stuff as well? I don't know if that happened. Yeah. I think it was more of a let's let's show some respect and solidarity, and we'll pull this stuff down. So I wouldn't be surprised if that stuff does eventually maybe get reinstated um, mm. on streaming services in the future. Who knows? Um, it, it it might be controversial in itself to restore it once it's been removed. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's like. It's easy for me to say this as a as a white dude, but I feel like it's that that type of um, insensitive, offensive humor is the same as any inoffensive humor. Oh, sorry, it's the same as any deliberately offensive humor, where whether it's a character on a series that's clearly racist or a character that's clearly sexist, like Ron Burgundy or someone like that in in mm. Anchorman. Um, do we pull that because there are women who? have to face sexism and that's offensive to them um it's clearly being a story told that that, that's highlighting how wrong it is so i feel like that it has very much has a place um regardless of i guess the knee-jerk reaction to its existence without context but as i said it's not it's not for us to to really say whether it's hurtful because we're not the um targets of of that kind of historical um yeah uh, attack yeah we we can only really weigh in on on the um al pacino character making all the racist aussie jokes against um, <laughs> yes <Robert> downey jr's <laughs> character which was in which was hilariously in response to robert downey jr being an asshole playing blackface to him oh, the whole place yeah. so it, it, which which you know from my perspective as an audience member um not on that side i find hilarious but 
you know, nuanced takes if someone is actually yes. from a group and, and <sighs> they can, you know, th- there's a good reason why they're offended, then absolutely can respect that. So, you know. Saying that it's Paul, a difficult... H- Paul Hogan's national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, God, it was so good. Um, so that was what that was what I had for, I guess, holding up the best to, to some degree. Uh, what did you guys have for this question? Uh, for me, I, I had um, I didn't have like any specific moments or specific things. It was the 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 writing of it. The or the writing was on point throughout mm. the entire thing. The plot was amazing, and the characterization was amazing. Everything. It, it was it was it was flawless. Uh, once again, I got to say, Ben Stiller behind the behind the camera, get him behind the scenes. He's an absolute mm-hmm. king. This movie had action. It was hilarious. What you were mentioning at the start, how the 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 in, the start of the film mirrors the end of the film in all these fantastic and hilarious ways. It was so well done and so smart. It was. I'm so glad I rewatched it because I I with like this new context now of just having watched so much media over the last 10 years it has been it, it was amazing it was it was such a good experience and yeah that, that's definitely the stuff that holds up the most for me mm. okay. yeah um for me yeah de- look if we're if we're talking about the the you know the um controversial stuff definitely for me it, the things that would need to be addressed is the um the never go full retard scene, which you know that's a that's a pretty big one, and then you have the blackface stuff as well. But yeah. in terms, and to be honest, neither of them really hold up as well as some of the other stuff in the movie. The best, the best stuff in the movie that holds up the strongest, to be honest, is their insanely strong start. Um, so in between, after after the spoof trailers, when they start the mm. film doing the World War Two spoof reenactment films. Um, and then just having overacting battles and bad acting mixed in there, a Wilhelm scream, but really, really yeah. top-notch production values. Because I was watching it and nothing was CGI, so it all looked gorgeous on, on you know, a 4K screen. Mm. Um, real, it felt like really high quality. And I was, I was looking at this and I was thinking, well, this is as good as modern day movies look. So this has held up the best from my standpoint. Yeah, it has been filmed really well. And, and when Danny McBride sets off that, accidental explosion across the landscape it's pretty spectacular like the the fiery explosions against the green you know of hawaii uh yeah it it, it looked great back then it looks great now so we'll move on to what holds up the worst and you referenced it just there lucky it's it's certainly the the use of uh the r word this it's mm. it's it's almost yeah. done over the top for effect i feel like um I know in 2008, it was probably starting to become something that people knew they shouldn't say. Mm. And I think that's why they said it so much. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's like they just went like, boom, 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 like said it as many times as they could in, in a short sequence. But um, Never Go Full Retard was the expression that kind of came out of this movie and yeah. became almost like a quote from the movie which is a, a problem because it was at that point where it wasn't quite known how like offensive it was to to people mm, um yeah so i think yeah, that was, that's and- certainly the, the thing that holds up the worst and it was it, it seemed to have even at the time drawn a lot of controversy it wasn't like years later that it didn't hold up but there was protests and that kind yeah. of thing at the time 
And that's the thing. I think that that quote became a meme and it got taken out of context in the opposite of what it was intended in the film. Because when um, Robert Downey Jr. delivers that line, he's actually making fun of Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, the actor that portray did a really bad portrayal in an unnecessary film doing that. Um, he was explaining that there was absolutely nothing to gain from being that offensive for the sake of being offensive. There needs to be a point to it. You need to you need to be able to dress up that character in a heroic way, or they overcome something meaningful. So, and then he rattled off, which was fantastic from my perspective. You know, talking about Forrest Gump's character and saying the man was a, was a bloody national war hero mm. for God's sakes. Like, you know, you can do it, but you need to have something that has a positive spin on it. Otherwise, <laughs> you're just you're just spreading harm. And so, but and then ironically, in meme form that term was just used to basically be an offensive slur. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, it got it ended up getting morphed in a really harmful way. So that's where it, it is interesting to see where when things are popular and do go really well, sometimes, you know, offensive stuff can be harmful in that sense. Um, so, yeah, I'd say probably on the whole of it, that aged pretty poorly. And also a lot of the, a lot of the early stuff and the spoof stuff that, that lent into that Simple Jack was pretty... Um, that that didn't really have a point to it other than to be kind of like a Howard Stern-esque shock jock humor joke. So, you know. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think with the whole the whole R word thing, I I, I thought that the, the joke was funny. I thought like, you know, pointing out the, the actors doing these portrayals and then their commentary around all that is funny. It's just the use of the R word that just, it just grates yeah. on me these days. I've got people in my family, my uncle and my cousin are both intellectually disabled and I, 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 I never use that word. I, f- I feel guilty if I, if I use that word and it's one I don't, that I, I don't like to hear. Not that it, like I sit there and I, I clutch my pearls or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely something that you you don't see often in media today, and it definitely doesn't hold up. And I I don't know, but it, obviously, if if it wouldn't have the same impact if they didn't use that word. Like if you if you say to someone if 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 Robert Downey Jr. had said you never go full intellectually disabled, it just it's not gonna it's not it doesn't have the same <laughs> kick to it. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. Oh dear! Oh, and also just Danny McBride's character, like just with like some casual racism at the start. Like he, he, I was expecting him, he was sort of getting set up as like an asshole that you're meant to hate, uh, and he's more just like he's just kind of there throughout the rest of the film. But yeah, he sort of just has this casual racism towards the the uh, the, the Vietnamese workers who were there with him. I think he said like, "Oh, these guys are here sewing hats or something like that." And I was yeah. like. Uh, that just felt like a little bit yeah. unnecessary. Like I, I didn't find it particularly funny. I, I assumed it was setting us up to, to for him to be some kind of asshole that gets gets something has something happen to him later on down the down the track. But he kind of he just kind of skates through the rest of the film. I guess yeah. he does get I, captured. <laughs> I think that was his way of saying that they weren't being helpful. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> not our, yeah, not our one. Yeah, yeah. He just that. said it in the most racially offensive way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know what though? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, it didn't really go anywhere, so yeah, yeah. The, it wasn't real. It was just a shock joke. So uh, like, if yeah. there's context to it, and they they do something clever with it, then you know we can get into that. But if it's just there and it's just there to be like, <laughs> yeah, offensive, the, off the cuff yeah. joke, which it sounds like it was, yeah, that <laughs> wouldn't fly these days. 
Yeah, I've, I've been re-watching Family Guy, which it was in its heyday in the 2000s, and there's so much casual racist humour towards Asians. I just, I guess in the 2000s, it was just okay back then. <laughs> it was just normal back then for that to happen. So, yeah, that definitely, that I know it's only a passing line, it's super minor, but it, it's it, funnily enough, it stood out to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, so as for like who would be most offended, I think, yeah, obviously, anyone that feels like you shouldn't make fun of or people with a disability or use the offensive slur um mm. people that have a, a you know dislike of seeing blackface in any context uh mm. i think maybe people from vietnam could very much not like the portrayal of of the cocaine gang or whatever you would call that that village it was heroin uh, that was that was the yeah her- heroin sorry yeah uh, and and also mm. pot- potentially even war veterans with the um the uh, <laughs> Nick Nolte's the, character yeah Nick Nolte yeah with his character mm. kind of faking <laughs> so his good. whole injury <laughs> and so writing good. the book <laughs> so well lot, actually that's um that's that's a real thing it's uh, I think the term's called stolen valor mm-hmm. isn't that where where people like try make up about having some sort of a uh, war background or history and it turns out that they were just lying for some sort of personal gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So there you go. I'm sure there would, be pe- there, there would be people that don't like that. But, you know, from where I sit, I certainly in- enjoyed the movie and, and nothing in it, you know, being a comedy, like nothing in it really made me go, apart from the many R words that just wouldn't make it into a film these days. Uh, let's see. Does this movie pass the internet relevancy test via memes and gifs? And I would say it's a middle of the ropes. Like it's something that's quoted and probably was made it into a lot of memes, but not memes that I would feel comfortable using now because they are things yeah. like never go full retard or their images of um, Lazarus in blackface that in itself. Like even yeah. if it's a even if it is like a great line or a quote or something that might have relevance, it's there with a guy in blackface. So it's like, yeah. are you going to be drawing attention? Like, will people think that you're drawing attention to that element of it rather than the actual quote? And that's the thing is that you know, in very few cases, you know, in just regular conversation with people, um, will that be relevant? without mm-hmm. being offensive. So I I've never I've seen it around and I've never once felt comfortable really with that meme the way that it's been used in the internet. It's normally been used more of a off the cuff bullying joke rather than anything yeah less you know there, anything that was intended in the code. There is kind of the like so, never go yeah. full blank and like insert the word yeah. there. Like never go mm. full yeah. you know RPG JRPG or anime or something like, <laughs> you know, something that could be quite funny. But because it's also got um I guess the blackface element to it, it's like, I guess there'd be other things that you could use instead of that. So I, I guess it's a 50-50 for this one. There's not really much else that you see pop up. I feel like if you'd asked that question like six or seven years ago, it's a big yes, big time. Yeah. I remember seeing that yeah. meme many a time. And you know what I remember seeing like sort of in the last few years and I can't remember what the context was about it. 
but it was the uh, you're Australian, act Australian. Yeah. That that whole that line. I know I saw that in a meme about someone. I just can't remember who it was, and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> it was probably on Facebook. It sounds like a Facebook meme. Oh, very much, very much. <laughs> how modern? Uh, sorry, how would modern smartphones and social media change this movie? I don't know much at all because they're meant to be like isolated without their phones and that kind of thing Mm. it could Mm. be it could be like the the vietnamese drug gang has access to social media maybe but yeah i don't know i I quite like that they just have their vhs and their vcr to watch simple jack yeah Yeah. it was was hard to know because it's like 2008 so i was getting to that point where those things were way more that technology was way more prevalent anyway i guess but maybe maybe al pacino would have you know been been far more embedded with social media being like a young rapper kind of a thing uh Influencer, other than that yeah. I, I, I can't really i can't really think of anything either yeah no i think the the key there is the whole the whole way the plot worked was that they took away the phones and mm. like i mean it, it would Potentially, they would have had an avenue to, you know, deal with the hostage situation in a different different way if um, if the actors were, I don't know, able to crowdfund their distress. Because I think globally, globally, you know, if these actors were well known and this actually happened, this would be all over the news. Yeah. So um, Tom Cruise's character wouldn't have been able to do that insanely evil tirade towards the end, <laughs> um, which was which was great, by the way. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Would the movie would have been worse off if they went in that direction? To be honest, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so someone referenced this earlier. Do you think you could make this movie today? And if you could, what would it look like? Mm. It's a tough one. Like mm. it would be. Like I feel like there is still a room for this edgy kind of comedy. We do see it. Like you've mentioned, Always Sunny, which can basically mm. do whatever they want and get away with it. I feel like a big budget movie, though, it's probably a lot harder. It might have to be something a bit more risky, like a with maybe sorry, not risky, but something with less risk and less budget. Maybe a Netflix mm. uh, movie or something. But mm. yeah, I don't know. Like. I'd like to say yes, but I just think that the world is a lot more sensitive um, and a lot more politically correct. Some of that's good. Some of that's not good, depending on who you ask, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's it's probably a question mark for me. I'm not, not quite sure. Um, it would have to be very delicate. And I think that um, studios just try to avoid controversy as much as possible. So mm. probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. I, I think this movie this movie could only ever happen it, it could never happen as an idea that would be supported in coming from a room full of suits because it's too risky as you're saying yeah. before this type of comedy it's very edgy uh, and they're going for a lot of different things there I think it needs it's kind of the perfect storm so it needed someone that loves film and is very well connected and has a lot of money to be able to bankroll a significant amount of it themselves, in which case it turned out being Ben Stiller. So if we get another Ben Stiller, then yeah, maybe another movie might like this might happen. But Mm. I, I think we've, we've moved away from comedy films being seen as safe bets from a film producer's perspective, unless it's Marvel. 
Um, in which case, it'll be very inoffensive, very carefully curated comedy. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. I love I love me some Guardians of the Galaxy. But yeah, you don't see as much of this sort of edgy stuff on film. You see it in maybe a an easy to produce TV show. So for example, it's always sunny. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You might get a bit of that edgy humor in like in your Deadpools and stuff, but it's usually I guess more around gore and violence and, and not so much, you know, cultural topics. I think the, I could see uh, like a very cynical uh, corporate version of this being made where they kind of just borrow the concept of actors who are in a dangerous situation thinking they're in, in a film, but they're actually not. But they just take out all the offensive stuff, basically. And I don't know if... I don't, like, I, don't, I don't know if it'd be any any good at all, but I could see them borrowing the concept and, and using that again, but just definitely yeah. not a lot of the same jokes, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess it's not essential to have that specific role in here, is it? Yeah. Well, you can, you can do you can do humor that's based around race, but I guess they just have to rethink how they do it. You know what I mean? Like it probably these days it'd probably be like some some white racist hole that you know is is very ignorant and everyone kind of makes fun of him or something i don't know how <laughs> how it would work but mm. i feel like that you you I could you could see it happening like there was like an incredibly racist character that was a hilarious caricature in community um oh god well chevy chase himself he yeah. was already incredibly racist and he was a caricature but he's yeah. his dad as well too so mm. I, I could see them doing that same kind of <laughs> yeah, humor right. there there is a way you can sort of get yeah. away with it as well too it just his dad was that plantation owner from from you know the 19th 18th century so yeah yeah oh god uh, <laughs> that was funny <laughs> 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 Alright, it's time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. And there's a lot of potential nominees with this one. It's going to be hard to, to pin something down. So we're looking for someone that doesn't overstay their welcome. As much as they're on the screen, they're basically you know, hitting a pretty good strike rate for the for the laughs per, per line. So I'm going to reel off the guys that I think... Uh, probably most deserving. And I say guys because there's hmm, pretty much no women in this entire film now that I think about it, mm. apart from the, the, some very small cameos. Um, but Steve Coogan, Tom Cruise, Bill Hader, Danny McBride, Matthew McConaughey, and Nick Nolte. Have I missed anyone deserving? No, that's it. That's, that's, the, it. that's the dream team right there. Yeah. So of those guys, who do you think steals the show the most i think tom cruise is the obvious one but mm. is is it the just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's the right answer mm. look it's it's hard because I, I did love them all so much like matthew mcconaughey's character having that whole ridiculous exchange with tom cruise's character and the 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 um the conflict on whether or not to help out his friend or get a g5 it was just that was just hilarious. That was that was so smart and so well done. 
Um, Nick Nolte's character was great as well. It's so it's it's it is really hard to decide, but I think Tom Cruise just just knocks it out of the park. He's just so wacky and out there, and I, I think a lot of it, like for me at the time, I didn't. I don't think I even recognised it was Tom Cruise. I definitely wasn't yeah. as into movies and stuff back then. I remember finding out afterwards and be like, wow, that's a that's amazing. Apparently, like yeah. the fat hands and everything were his idea, yeah. and like the whole character in general was his idea. Uh, they mm-hmm. originally reached out to him to play the agent that Matthew McConaughey played. So, yeah, it was it was yeah, it's it's hard to choose, but uh, Tom Cruise it was the standout for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah, also, Tom Cruise. No oh. lines were given enough to anyone else to really have a shot. <laughs> yeah, and I think the fact that um, it was such a departure for him at this point in his career, like he had done some comedies in the eighties, you know, like. Risky Business, and I think that's comedy, uh, and some kind of, uh, I guess, the equivalent of the young adult or teen, like edgy kind of comedy uh, when he was very young. Mm. But to see him go through Top Gun and Mission Impossible and, um, you know, Jerry Maguire and to, to, to come out of that kind of um, tunnel of, of drama and being a movie star and Minority Report and jumping on the couch with Oprah and <laughs> kind of like, you know, he, he was always a, a super duper movie star, but he was kind of becoming a bit more of a polarizing figure. Like, mm. what's this guy really like? He's a bit of a weirdo. Um, does he have a sense of humor? And then you see him take a role like this and really steal the show. Like, the way the movie ends just with him dancing if it was any other actor, like let's just take take some typical, um, rep- like any replacement actor, like any of those other people I mentioned, say say Steve Coogan or Owen Wilson or anyone was that character instead of him, you wouldn't end the movie with them just dancing because it would be like, why am I watching this? But it's almost like the audience is supposed to recognize like, oh, that's Tom Cruise dancing. Like that makes it <laughs> funnier or more significant Mm. because it's Mm. just not something that happens so yeah in that sense it really is something that only he could have pulled off in the way that they used him and the fat suit with the really thick body hair right up to his neck was just (laughs) chef's kiss pretty good prosthetics it it didn't like it actually looked fairly real yeah yeah and i I, pretty real i i remember not not recognizing him straight away definitely like what you said zach me yeah. neither. When yeah. I was younger, I never knew there was Tom Cruise until <laughs> finding out after the fact and then having to do a double take. Yep. There you go. Well, well done, Tom Cruise. You've won many awards in your life, but <laughs> you've now got an extra one. Steve Buscemi Sparkplug Award. Last question. Is it still a good movie? And for me, it's a yes. This was one that I was looking forward to for a long time. I'm surprised that it lasted this long without someone picking it um, to do. And... It really does hold up. It's not one that I've watched like a, a ton of times. It was pro- mm. probably been a good 10 years at least since I've rewatched it. But with all that time that's passed, it's certainly very fun to go back to. Partly because it's, it's so interesting to see with the, the controversies um, of how is this going to feel when, I, when we get to the Simple Jack scenes um, and, when we, and when we get to... Uh, you know the, the the blackface and and all that kind of thing. So yeah, very very fun to rewatch. Very interesting. 
culturally and, and all that kind of stuff as well. Especially if you have like an interest in the way that Hollywood works, the way that you know the the Academy Awards work as kind of a institution in Hollywood, and um, I guess the different acting approaches and that uh, and, and like filming approaches that directors and and stars take towards these things as well so that that's my take on it how, how do you guys feel about this overall with the rewatch after so long i think it's look from my perspective i'm not really the butt of the joke in any of the in in any of the movies so i can appreciate if people don't feel comfortable with it in certain parts um so i think at the end of the day it's it's it won't be everyone's cup of tea but i think it's smart enough and and well-meaning enough in at least most parts of the film that it gets a pass from my from my mm. perspective. Um, with that said, though, uh, I just uh, I'd be remiss to not mention I wasn't much of a fan of um, Jack Black and his character. Mm. It's not on not on him as an actor, but I just his character never really did anything for me. He was just tweaked out, druggy yeah. actor having to deal with withdrawal symptoms. And yeah, they do something funny and clever with it at the end, but. Mm it was just so much of his character just to get to that point where it was like, uh, it was a bit wasted. You know. I agree with you. Like once he was tied up to that tree, we never really got Jack Black out of him again. Like he, he had a few big um, stunt moments and he's, he's good for that physical mm. comedy, but he can do so much more than that. So he, he can. was, yeah, he can. He, off the back of school of rock. You're just like, okay, this guy is amazing. He just needs to be given the right, role and piece of work yeah I, I i i agree with that i think he wasn't fully utilized but there was just so much good stuff there with ben stiller's character and and robert downey jr's character i, I there was enough there that i just I, I loved it from start to finish like i wrote in my notes under is it still a good movie f yes i won't say the actual word because <laughs> i've already done my fair share of stuff and needs to be bleeped already uh <laughs> Yeah, when you sent through the list of movies to, to, to pick from, uh, the, I think my top ones that I would have wanted to talk about would have been Borat, Step Brothers, and, and this. And this isn't even... and Tropic Thunder isn't even the one, as I said, that really stands out to me. I remember not even thinking it was that great when I initially watched it, but I was just so curious to see how it would hold up today with all the, all the, like the, the black face, the uh, R-word jokes, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I, I loved it from start to finish. I think it was just so intelligent. I'm so glad that we end up landing on Tropic Thunder to, to talk about. I'm glad I pretty much left it up to you, Lockie. I'm so glad you picked it. It is <laughs> such a good film. And I, I don't normally go back and watch older films. Uh, it's like, unless it's something like I've heard that's great that I haven't seen before, but I'm so thankful that, <laughs> that we've come on here to talk about this and I've got to watch this again because it was an absolute joy to watch from start to finish i was laughing the the whole way through very very few dull moments and even if there's like a scene or like a a bit of dialogue that you're not laughing your head off the whole way through it'll end on something that will be unexpected and absolutely hilarious and and just leave me just leave me like laughing but also smiling and thinking about that was just so clever and so well done uh yeah i Mm. I, I love tropic thunder it's i think it's something that i'm i'm probably going to Rewatch years down the track just just now knowing how well these jokes hold up it, it is good stuff yeah i think the fact that you're laughing like i was laughing out loud at those opening credits 
oh. fake trailers. When when you're already yeah. laughing and the movie technically hasn't yeah. even started yet, that's like gonna, <laughs> yes. it sets you up really well to be like this is gonna be a fun time, and it really yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, so yep. good. <laughs> I forgot about the, those trailers at the start too. So when they Me started too. happening, I, I had that kind of experience again of what what's happening right now. Like, oh, that's what's right. going on. Oh, so good, so good. Ben Stiller, direct more stuff. You are a legend. <laughs> well. Dear listeners, if you haven't already, you should subscribe to this podcast in your podcast service of choice. Share it with your friends. You can leave us five-star ratings in Apple Podcasts, in Spotify, in Podchaser. If you can leave a review in Apple and Podchaser, you should do that as well because it definitely helps get the word out there. If you really want to get behind 8-Bit, you can support us with our Ko-fi page. That's ko-fi.com slash weare8bits. And there's also 8-Bit merch over at shop8bit.net. Both great ways to chip a few dollars over to us here to, to help keep doing what we're doing. Where, where can we catch you guys on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at, at news to reviews and that's with a number two instead of the word two. But if you just search for you know, news to reviews, the normal way of writing it, you'll find mm-hmm. it there on Twitter. But you can listen to us uh, anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts spotify apple podcasts all that good stuff you just get to hear Lockie and i talking about some video games and having a good old laugh while we do it when's the next episode drop oh i believe on monday i don't know if this would so probably is that that be before this comes out by the time you hear this you can go back and listen to the latest news to review with Jono himself oh yeah Uh, (laughs) i'm looking forward to looking forward to coming back here very soon to talk about the week in video game news oh yeah yeah it's gonna be a good time you can catch me on socials at johnny himself and we want to thank you for joining us on comedy rewind be kind